Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. For this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to Harmony Quiker. She sat down in my kitchen with me and had this amazing conversation. She was born into a family of healers and started Transcendental Meditation at age six, and yet she still found herself in toxic and unhealthy relationship as a young woman, and even in her first marriage. And her powerful and honest story about recognizing, seeing it, moving past it, and starting to utilize her skill sets and her learnings as a psychologist and as a spiritual practitioner are really incredible. The way that she shares the concepts and the ideas of being aligned with yourself and then how to communicate with others, how to be aware of your attachment style and how that progresses in your life was a really powerful episode. And I know that you're going to get a lot out of it. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, codependency, and control addiction. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we need to turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on our inner change and healing. Positive results in our lives will follow. Welcome to Recover Your Soul. I'm Reverend Rachel Harrison, and I thank you for spending your time with me today here on your soul recovery journey. And I have been so blessed with having so many amazing people join me on the Recover Your Soul podcast, and today is no different. Harmony Quiker, who is sitting literally across from me at my dining room table in my house, is here to share her wisdom welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I love being here in your home with you. I love that we met through Podmatch, which is a, I called a dating app for podcasts, but we live in the same area. And it turned out that you had also attended the Unity Church that I had been attending for a million years and, and that there's such an interesting, always serendipity around reconnecting with people. So what I am so excited about is that when we first connected and had our connection call, it immediately was clear that we both are in the field of bringing people to their alignment, bringing them to their true self, allowing them to work through traumas and to um, be clear about what their purpose is. And you have an incredible story to tell that is around what I call soul recovery. So let's just jump right in and have you tell us a little bit about your story and how you came into a healing in yourself. Yeah, my story, I think, is 
pretty unique in that I was raised by alternative healers. You know, they named me Harmony. The alternative was going to be Blossom Joy. So they, they were very much interested in um, being change makers and thought leaders. And so I grew up in a home where personal growth workshops were happening, breath work. I did a fire walk when I was seven. And my dad is a doctor of osteopath. And so natural medicine and homeopathy and vitamins were all a part of my upbringing. And I was really close to transformation daily. Uh, My mom would have her clients come to our home and I was sitting in the room next door and I could hear in part, you know, the tears and the crying that was unfolding. And I would see people come in feeling really heavy and leave feeling really light and more like themselves. And the practice, well, the invitation actually for me to cultivate my own spiritual practices were offered very young also. I started transcendental meditation when I was six years old and I practiced daily. I would sit in silence and repeat my mantra and receive messages of hope, transmissions of my purpose here, really gained access to my intuitive senses, my ability to see subtle energy. And then as I continued to grow in my personality, I didn't know that I was really being shaped to be accommodating and pleasing and to not have an opinion. And I think the part of my story that surprises people is that my parents were so loving, so present, and so kind. And I had an older sibling who was not, and it was somebody who I looked up to greatly. And I really learned to walk on eggshells to appease her um, so that I wouldn't get hurt. And this pattern became a well-worn path within myself. And I brought it into basically all of my intimate relationships moving forward very unconsciously, believing that it was my job to hide my pain, to prioritize caretaking everyone else, to really just be okay with everything. And as I really deepened into my own personal development. I would go to workshops starting very young, like at 19, I was assisting in breathwork workshops. So I was still around the personal growth world. But I was in a process where I had a memory that um, brought awareness to an injury that I had as an infant, a near-death experience when I was five months old. My dad had put me on the top bunk of a bed while they were at a party. They were off, I don't know, drinking smoking weed, something like that. And he put me on the topic of a bed to sleep and I woke up and I sort of moved and rolled over and fell, hitting my head on the dresser on the way down and then landing on the ground. The way that this physical injury really got encoded into my attachment system, where I didn't have words for my pain because I was pre-verbal, So there was no way for me to articulate my pain. I was disassociated. I was not really in my body. And there was really no way for me to get my needs met. And that became a very sort of integral way that I related to people that I was unaware of and that still can emerge as this like quiet survival skill to try to find safety if I'm in pain, hide my pain, prioritize everyone else, be okay with everything. And so as I experienced 
multiple abusive relationships, you know, as a victim of stalking, as a victim of domestic violence, I could see that I was the common denominator, that something inside of me was attracted to and attracted this pattern for a reason. And I wanted to learn what that reason was. I wanted to look within myself and discover where I was giving my power away, where I was abandoning myself, betraying myself, and playing small and quiet. I was teaching yoga as an undergrad. I was studying psychology, and it was a solar eclipse, and everybody had left my class, and I was in so much suffering. I had an eating disorder. I felt so unlovable. I was just stuck in the same idea of a pattern that my mind was in. And I laid on the ground, and for the first time, I prayed to God and asked for guidance, and I asked for help. And I felt this deep resignation, but it wasn't a resignation of hopelessness. It was, it was a deep surrender of just complete recognition that I had no idea what I was doing. I really thought that I knew what I was doing, and I just let go of it all. And I went home, and because I, I really had an anchoring in meditation. I was given the gift of that at age six. I'd been teaching yoga for a couple years at that point. I decided to sit with my pain. I went home and I lit a bunch of candles and I just held vigil at my pain. And I shined the light of awareness within myself and I explored my internal world with compassion and with love and with curiosity. And I just got the chills. <laughs> and and in an instant, I mean, I, it was probably two hours of sitting like this, but what felt like in an instant, I opened up to an aspect of myself that felt simultaneously new and familiar. And I anchored into this remembering of who I really am. I started a forgiveness practice, a daily forgiveness practice that I really received as a transmission during that time. And I was glowing. I was just glowing. I was so awake and everybody could see it. Even I remember my dad looking at me and he's like, you are shining so brightly. And to be seen in that was really important to have that witness that I wasn't crazy, that I was receiving these transmissions and I was awakening to myself and to be loved in that and seen in that was really powerful for me. But I still didn't really know how to engage relationally from this place, right? Sitting in meditation, I could come back to my home base, to my true self, and be in that deep remembering and be in self-love. And then what do I do as I interact with the people in my life? <laughs> I relate to that very much. That's such a great observation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's an ongoing question Absolutely. in each moment. How mm -hmm. do I relate to the people in my life. And so I was in this sort of in-between stage of my life where I had finished undergrad and I didn't really like the field of psychology because I'd never had a good experience in psychotherapy. I'd had amazing experiences in transpersonal practices like breath work and meditation and other types of workshops. But I always felt very small and reduced down to a diagnosis when I sat with in a clinical setting. And I decided to go to graduate school for clinical psychology because I wanted to learn how to bridge that divide. I wanted to 
bring what I knew was possible from these transpersonal experiences into the place where most people are looking for support. And I didn't have a lot of guidance in terms of how to be a transpersonal counselor. It was a lot of um, curiosity and discovery and learning from my clients as I watched them find their way back to themselves. The story continues because I ended up in, in a marriage that was not healthy. And I couldn't see it until I saw the way that he was treating our children. I realized that that was the way that he was treating me. And it was interesting, too, because I'm always surprised by my bandwidth to tolerate nonsense, like to be treated poorly. Like my bandwidth can be quite large Mm -hmm. to be okay with everything. And then once I reach that bandwidth, I'm very much not okay anymore. I'm done. (laughs) And that's what had happened in this marriage. And the moment I was done was a really beautiful reclaiming of myself. And I started um, an integral relational practice at that time called Authentic Relating. And that was where I really learned how to bring my true self into relationships. Because unlike group therapy or therapy or couples therapy, which I've done quite a lot of personally and professionally, authentic relating is simply a relational practice. There's no hierarchy. It's really about connecting in a very specific way. And this very specific way sort of mitigates projections where we're owning our experience, where we're recognizing that what we're seeing in another person is through our own lens. We're sharing impact. We're letting people know how we feel being with them. They're very simple tools, but in the context of groups with strangers, with lovers, with friends, with, you know, a wide range of people, other professionals sometimes, I got to experience different flavors of myself. Like, who am I in the alchemy of this group or with this person? And what is true for me now? And being in that discovery was really transformative for me, where I really got to reclaim aspects of myself in real time, in relationship, as a practice, as a, as a spiritual practice. If you're ready for soul recovery, as a spiritual coach, I can support your healing to help make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. You can also work in smaller groups by taking a deep dive in a Zoom workshop or with me in person at a retreat or an event. Join others on the soul recovery path once a month for the free Zoom support group or daily on the private Facebook page. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions with me or find all the information you need about soul recovery, dates that are coming up, and how to register for those groups and workshops. To support the podcast and the community, check the links in the show notes to make a small monthly donation or a one-time donation of your choice that will make a huge impact to support this community and the soul recovery mission. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. You know what I think is so just hits me right off in the story that's so amazing is you were raised in what people would consider this very new thought kind way with all these resources, but it doesn't mean that we don't get conditioned, that we don't continue to do this practice of being good, of how do we fit in, how do we please others. It's such a common denominator of how we grow up. And I also think it's so fascinating that 
we have to have experience of ourself. We have to go through this complexity of building our personality, of being present in all aspects of healthy and unhealthy relationship to get to the other side where you hit that wall and you say, this isn't working for me. I don't know a single person who hasn't had some level of this experience. And there's this belief that it's not supposed to be hard or that people don't go through difficult things or that there isn't complexity in relationship. I love that you came from all of this. My middle name is Little Flower. So I also came from a similar, you know, environment without the practitioners in my life. But this relational part of how we connect with people and communicate, because this is the piece that I think is so difficult in what I call soul recovery, that I hear a lot that says, I'm doing this work. I'm here I am. I'm blossoming. I'm growing. And then I walk out the door and then I'm in the world and I don't know how to be in the world. And I don't actually even know how to communicate in a way that shares what's going on with me. So tell me more about, about this concept of communication and awareness of, of how to be in alignment that way. Yeah. I think the place of confusion for a lot of people really rests in our attachment system where unknowingly people are identified with their attachment wounds, meaning that they believe that they are their wounds, that they believe the messages of the wounds if they are identified with their ego. And it can be a little confusing like to, to grok that concept. Like, I think I'm my wound, you know? And Anytime we're in relationship, this is why relationship is such a fabulous container for personal growth and development, because anytime we're alone in our own practice, there isn't that reflection of this other person for us to project upon or to believe that they're meant to give us what we think we want. And so we don't do these same movements that we do in relationship as when we are alone. And so when we can get very clear on the basic message of our attachment wound, like as deep down inside of ourselves as we can go and recognize that that attachment wound is really seated in survival. It's an adaptive survival strategy. We use it to try to get our basic needs met. These are biologically based core needs. We're all designed to want to be in an attuned, loving relationship. We're not wrong for wanting that. I think that sometimes people can be hard on themselves thinking that they shouldn't want something from their partner or from other people, but this is truly our design. It's really about the place within ourselves from which we're reaching out. Are we reaching out from our wound or are we reaching out from our true self? I love that. I have shivers because that's soul recovery. That's exactly what I've learned and what this whole thing is about, is about really understanding that if you can see it, you can change it. If you can see it, you can start to live differently from it. You can communicate differently. But what I really just had a little aha moment in in your reflection around when we're by ourselves, there isn't that mirror because I'm most comfortable by myself. I was an only child, so I'm really comfortable by myself, but it in relationship with somebody else and is really where the work is, is really where you have to look at those parts of yourself 
you don't have to, but when you do, there's this real opportunity. And the woundedness happens to all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. And in my own relationship now with my current husband, what I've really learned is that the more I can hold myself and hold my wounds from my mature wise self, I can speak on behalf of my pain without believing that I'm my pain. So an example is it's a very confusing moment for me when my husband goes away on business trips. I'm not consciously anxious that he's going away, but something in my attachment system starts to bubble up and I just feel a little bit more restless and a little bit like uneasy within myself. And he and I've learned together that these are moments where my attachment system is activated and having that awareness, like if I didn't have that awareness, I'll just say, I might want to be as close to him as possible and scared and wanting a lot of reassurance and maybe even cry and feel like a death because my attachment wound I was a near-death experience. You know, that's not uncommon for me to like go into this lay in my bed, cry moment from that attachment place. And I can go to him now and I can ask him to say to me that he's going away on a trip, but he's not leaving me just to reassure but from that maturity, not from that young one. And, but my young one gets to receive it too. She, she gets that, that balm of love also to know that she's not being left. Yeah, I love that because the work that allows us to allow those younger voices to have younger parts of ourselves to have voice is so imperative. Because so many of us, we learn to not have that voice to be good girls, good boys, to be recognized, to be accepted. And so to give it a voice. And and I often say that younger self needs presence and needs to be recognized and validated from our fully integrated, resourced, spiritually grounded self. And then once we realize that it's not the child in the room anymore, then we can handle it. We can do anything. Yeah. And that there's nothing wrong with us for having this need within ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. And to really expand our capacity to meet our own needs, to be a secure base for ourselves, and to really create healthy relationship with the people in our lives. So tell me a little bit more about this communication style, because I'm super curious to hear about it. Because communication, I think, is one of the number one complexities around being able to be present with somebody from your resourced place where you are checking in with yourself, with your younger self, but also being able to ask for what you need, how to set boundaries, how to have a healthier relationship. And that's not always with people who are healthier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the the practice of authentic relating, it actually comes from Gestalt psychotherapy, and that's what I teach at Naropa. So the overlay for me was so phenomenal. It was, it was as if I was offered this practice to really embody the thing that I teach my students and guide my, my clients in. Like Gestalt, it's a present moment practice. So the only place to get is more in touch with what's right here more present with whatever is within us and within the group, within the relational field. And so one of the essence pieces is to welcome everything. And 
some people can misconstrue that and to be okay with everything, especially if we have codependent patterns, right? If I'm truly welcoming everything, I'm welcoming my dissonance, I'm welcoming my my pain, I'm welcoming my projection even, I'm welcoming my anger, my fear, whatever is there within myself. I'm welcoming that, but that doesn't mean that I'm clinging to it or identified with it or speaking from it. It's really just about being in that practice of welcoming everything that's here, not rejecting or disowning because that is really where it comes out in the shadow or comes out sideways when we're not welcoming. And then also welcoming everything everyone else says. Doesn't mean we agree with it. Doesn't mean we have a shared reality or a shared understanding of it, but really welcoming that each person has their own perspective. And this essence piece, um, to practice it outside of intimate relationship is really powerful to then bring it into intimate relationship as an already embodied knowing. I already know that what I'm experiencing within myself is, is mine to be with and to welcome. And I also have capacity to be with you and what you think, even if it is different from me, even if you want something different than I want. That's really powerful. I think that we push so much away just to have it be present I often say like to shine light on all of it. You know, we're not denying anything. We're the, I hadn't used welcome before. We're welcoming it. It's, we're open to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that type of curiosity is the natural expression of a regulated state, right? When we, when our nervous system is regulated, we have more curiosity. We have more of that creative collaborative thinking, But the more we're resisting what's happening inside of ourselves, we're not a safe space for ourselves, so our nervous system gets more dysregulated. So it's actually also very regulating to welcome everything because then we are being more congruent. And congruency is one of those things that the amygdala, the emotional center of the brain, really feels safe in congruency. That makes sense. Yeah. So now you've welcomed everything in Mm -hmm. and you're welcoming their side of the perspective. And here we are working on our own selves. And then you're with somebody who isn't necessarily maybe aligned or, or doing this work. Is there part of the practice that allows you to still be present in what's happening? What's the next step? Yeah, the next step is to get their world. So to get what it's like to be them from their perspective. For some of us, that's easier than others, you know, but to be really curious, to reflect, to make sure that we're hearing them as they are meant to be expressing themselves, we're hearing their words as they mean, and to get a shared understanding about those words without dropping our own perspective and our own opinion. Mm -hmm. I think that's huge because oftentimes it's we're convincing each other of who's right versus just sharing perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I I write about in Align is how um, in relationship, we're either holding resonance or we're holding a polarity. And so resonance is a place of sameness where we want the same thing. We want to go to the same restaurant or we feel the same way. We both want to snuggle at the same time. Like there's a, a quality of sameness. And when conflict occurs, there's typically a polarity happening. There's opposing energy that two people cannot quite seem to get on the same page around. And we need both resonance and polarity in relationship. We need both of them for the spark of intimacy 
to, to be present. Um, but it's in those moments of polarity and how we navigate them where we really, really are in relationship. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, allowing that. Wow. Yeah. That's really big. Mm-hmm. Well, and and with codependency, I've found in my work with clients that the polarity that often happens is a person who has codependent traits is attracted to and attracted to somebody with opposing traits, such as narcissistic traits. So somebody is prioritizing, the, the person with codependent traits is prioritizing other people, making them more important, not being in touch with what they want, and then their partner knows what they want, thinks that they themselves are important. And so they're holding this polarity. And once that starts to shift, where the person with more codependent traits gets in touch with what they want, they know that they're important. They are paying attention to themselves. They're not only looking outside of themselves. The relational dynamic starts to shift and become more balanced. Same with the person with narcissistic traits. The more they can learn to empathize and see that other people are also important and extend curiosity. The dynamic, the energy in the relationship begins to create more balance. You know what I love about what you just said is I think there's tends to be this belief that if somebody has self-centered or narcissistic traits, that there's no help for them. And I don't think there's anybody who can't have growth or potential. And there's a lot of talk around, you know, that there's just no point in being with it, but there's each relationship is its own relationship. So there's always an opportunity for healthy growth in all relationships. I have worked with a lot of people with narcissistic traits and seeing um, them learn how to be available for their fear, how to learn how to love themselves with their fear of not being lovable, how to find their way into their heart and feel empathy for other people. It is so beautiful to witness it's so beautiful to witness. Absolutely. There is opportunity for all of us to grow and evolve always. Because we're all coming from our desire to survive from those childhood wounds and the behaviors that are created to protect us from those. I love that. I really appreciate that because I think that's not a message that's given a lot. And I actually really appreciate the balance piece. You know, there is definitely you use the words abandoning yourself earlier in the conversation. There's definitely a place where we really realize like we're abandoning ourselves and the imbalance is too much to stay. So it's never about staying if it's unhealthy to stay, but there's a lot of relationships that have this opportunity for us to use as a spiritual development of ourselves. There is nothing like you said, like relationship or romantic relationship to really allow us to grow and shift. And when we, are able to see somebody else's perspective without that defensive posturing. What happens in us? What is it that is happening inside of us that is transforming our old beliefs? That's a really beautiful question. I think so many things happen inside of us when we are able to let our defenses down and recognize that the only person who has the power to open the doorway to our heart is ourselves that this is ours to do, that it's not that somebody else needs to be different in order for us to be open-hearted. And I believe that there's a deep coming home that happens in those moments where we know that we are the foundation of safety within ourselves, that we're not looking outside of ourselves for safety to come from the people around us, that 
we truly hold that within ourselves. And a natural expression of this is healthy, clear boundaries. So when we don't know how to hold clear boundaries, I think of them as like fluffy toned boundaries. <laughs> when we don't know how to hold clear, healthy boundaries, we hold a defensive posture because we don't know how else to protect ourselves. And so once we can really be a secure base for ourselves, open the doorway to our heart and hold boundaries, we know that we are both individual and interconnected that the way I treat you is quite literally the way that I treat myself. And that when I'm loving and kind to myself, I'm loving and kind to you. And my no is loving and kind. If my no is honest and congruent, that I don't need to be okay with everything in order to be kind. That is really incredibly powerful right there. And I love the reflection of how we treat others is how we treat ourselves when we can see it. There's just so many things we could continue to talk about. I can feel it. I'm just looking across the table thinking, oh, oh, so much to talk about. We'll have to do more podcasts together. Just knowing how much beautiful content just happened right now, so much connection and so much information, I really want to just allow us to soak all that in and, and really hear the part around taking care of ourselves and utilizing these these tools and these gifts and these ways of being that really is around knowing ourselves deeper and loving ourselves more so that we can be in our own lives in our most aligned fashion. If people would like to know more about you and you have two fabulous books, will you tell us about what you have to offer and how to find you? Yeah, my newest book is called Align, Living and Loving from the True Self. And it's a self-help book where the first part is really about coming home to ourselves. And the second part of the book is about how to bring that into relationship. And so every chapter has teaching pieces, but also personal stories of my own and then exercises to do. And a lot of the relational exercises that we mm. talked about here in the book also. My first book is called Reveal, Embody the True Self Beyond Trauma and Conditioning. And Reveal is a self-help memoir. It's extremely vulnerable. It's about my story of overcoming my own patterns and finding my way back home to myself. Mm. I'm super interested in both of them. I'm going to get them both. And then you have a website as well. Yeah, my website is thespirituallyaligned.com. And I have a lot of courses available on my website, courses to live your alignment and spiritually aligned relationships. And if you're a coach or a therapist, um, I really love empowering coaches and therapists to learn how to facilitate alignment, to honor subtle energy and to stay in our own alignment. So we're not just giving our energy away when we're holding space for clients. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming to my home. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And it is in such um, alignment is the word today with soul recovery. And I, I can't wait to have you on again. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Until next time. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Soul Podcast and being part of this amazing and growing community. If you loved this episode and you want even more, there is a bonus episode with even more content every Friday. This is by subscription. You can access that by being a Patreon member and there's three tiers of giving of your choice 
or an Apple Podcast subscriber. Once you have subscribed, you have access to a whole back catalog of episodes as well. If you would go to the website, recoveryoursoul.net, and I would love for you to subscribe to email updates so that you can keep posted with everything that's going on, different events, what dates are coming up, any reminders. There's only a couple emails each month. I hope you follow Recover Your Soul on social media. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, the private Facebook community page, TikTok, and if you want guided meditations, look for Reverend Rachel Harrison on Insight Timer. I really encourage you to take advantage of the one-on-one coaching. This is a unique, intuitive connection between the two of us. There are nine steps to soul recovery, and I do use those nine steps to loosely guide us through whatever you're coaching that you need. But really, it's about creating a way for you to feel comfortable around your healing of your past looking at the situations in your life, what are the patterns, what are the beliefs that are holding you back, breaking free from those patterns, breaking free from those beliefs, letting go of control, letting go of the people around you, and taking your power back, discovering who you are and who you want to be in the world and how I can support you to do this. And also, you're sharing this podcast with your friends, putting five stars, leaving reviews, really sharing this with others is growing the community. Thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for supporting Recover Your Soul. And I know that together we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.